This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, girl. Hi. Hello. Hello, Jesus. Are you out there? I need some help. It's been a rough week. Hello, God. It's her, Vanya. Yeah. Um, What's going on? Oh, no, it's good. It's good. My little one, guys. I I feel like a lot of you, if you you listen, you know, I got kids. And if you listen and, you know, we're, we're sort of emerging from a pandemic right now right or what would you say like we're yeah it's we're 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 seeing the light sort of at the end of the tunnel for sure for sure i'm getting on an airplane tomorrow yes that's right this is so for the the first time since you know before lockdown yeah oh my god yeah it's the world in a sense is returning to some kind of normalcy so that being said as i take a nice swig of my whiskey my wish Oh, nice. A little champagne. A little, a little champagne. Oh my God, it's a baby one. A BB. I love it. It's a split. I love I don't a split. Know. It was what they had at the store uh, that was that I recognized, like the name. I was like, I don't know any of these other Avern, ones, Avern loves sparkling wine slash Prosecco slash champagne. Give it to us. Yeah. Actually, your whole slash family Baba. loves it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a thing. It's we have we all have matching sweatshirts that say raised on champagne. It's like <laughs> our jam. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so as I'm raising my own children, uh, not on champagne yet, but possibly needing too soon. No, I'm ki- just kidding. So this is the first weekend we had Memorial Day weekend. And it's the first like time where, you know, since it's been deemed like vaccinated people can hang out, we did. We hung out with some peeps. And mostly, you know what, for the kids, they were all outside always playing because kids are not right. vaccinated yet. And so that's the fear factor that's still looming, I think. I have a little one, he's three, and then I have an older one, she's seven. And the little one, since he he was born, if he gets a cold or allergies or anything, he always has like asthma. It, yeah. I, I know I know our friend Ashley, her daughter has this too, but it's like viral induced asthma. I want to say that's what it's called. Ashley, let me know if I'm wrong, but it's something like that. And I should know because my kid has it, right? But they, they don't want to I diagnose him yet on it. So they're kind of like, okay, well, we're just going to see how it goes. And so, you know, we moved to a new house in uh, February, which is like four months ago, right? 
Is that crazy? No. Yeah. March, April. It's 19th. wild. Yeah. Four months ago. It's June. It's June 1st today when we're recording <sighs> this. So and June 1st, 2021. And you basically, you were, you had the keys at the end of January. Yeah. So February, March, April, May. It's been four months. And so I had to, God, I hope this isn't boring, but it's just like so intense right now. And I feel like I got to let you know. So I, I transferred all their medical stuff. So we have a doctor here. We just haven't gone because nobody's been sick. None of my kids have been sick for like a year. I mean, I think they got a stomach flu once. And probably because they didn't wash their hands good enough and like put poop in their mouth or something. I'm just so gross. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like whatever. But but besides that, no colds, no nothing. So fast forward to last night, my little one who he had a runny nose and I was like, okay, you know, it's really allergy season here big time. Yeah, yeah. And whether or not it's cold or whatever, he was having like a trouble breathing. And I realized I went to go get his inhaler and it was expired by a year. <laughs> so I was like, Oh no. Yeah. I was like, I don't, can I give that to him? And I didn't want to risk giving him old medicine. It probably was okay, but I don't know. Right. So long story short, I took him to the doctor, which, okay. I just want to say, I have to give it to the people around here. If you're sick, they have, you, you stay in your car and they have got these tents up because it's really hot in California right now where we're at. And you tr drive, you have your, you have your appointment, you drive under the tent and you let them know you're there. And then these uh, sweet nurses come in, working their balls off. There's like three of them. And there's like probably, I would say it was a, you know, there was a space between each car, but there was like six cars. Everybody after the long weekend, they're like, my kid is sick. Yeah. Holy shit. So they do that. And my son is so cute. He's got, he's, he's in good spirits at this point. I mean, he's still having, he's breathing fast, which scares me. And truthfully, the thing that scares me most is, does my kid have COVID? Does my kid right. have, COVID? have COVID? Holy crap. One, that means I'm going to have to call all the people we saw this weekend. Right. Two, it means like, like somebody surprise. this weekend gave it to us. And then three, right. he, he's got asthma. So it scares the crap all out of me. So anywho, we checked him out. He's okay. They got us a prescription. I decided, I was like, can I get a test here? They do rapid tests at this place. So we waited in the car for 15 minutes. They came back and said, he's negative. And I was like, oh, sweet baby oh. Jesus. Oh, God. Goodness. So that's, that's so my good story. I, I mean, I know it was a long one, but it was it was a dramatic night cause, and day because I didn't sleep at all last night because he slept in between us. And every cough, I was like, oh, God, he has COVID. Oh, God. Oh, and I woke up, you, you know, I couldn't move my neck this morning because I was in one position because he like got in an area right. where he was like actually sleeping. So I'm like, I can't move. I, I got to just ride this out. So. Right? You're yeah. like, just let him sleep. Oh, you poor thing. Well, I'm glad that you guys don't have COVID. Exactly. Um, I'm glad that you were able to get him a prescription. I'm wondering if there's like a hotline you can call to be like, can I give my child one year expired medicine? I, I should have, you um, know. In an I, emergency. I panicked. I was just like, oh, I can't do it. It's not going to happen. I'm freaking out. This is scary. Yeah. I, well, and the fact, it's really nice that you were able to just go see a doctor that yes. easily without having to be like emergency room. I had know? such gratitude leaving that place. I was like, oh my God, thank God that I have health insurance and I'm able to do this. And it just made me feel all kinds of feelings. We didn't have health insurance until we had kids. I'm sorry. It's not a responsible thing to do. Don't do it. If you can help it. Some people, you know, it's hard. It's expensive. And it, well, one more thing I want to say, even with health insurance, we got two um, inhalers. One is like the albuterol, which helps open up the airways. And then there's a steroid for one that really like if you're if it's like really bad asthma attack, right. steroid. And then I also got this thing for babies and it's like an extra little attachment that, not babies, like three-year-olds, where it helps them get the stuff in. 
I spent $80. I thought that was a lot of money. With insurance. With insurance. It is. So, okay. Now I'm done. Rant over. No crimes committed today, people. Just me being a little irked, but also very grateful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm glad everything worked out. That sounds very, very stressful. And seeing as I saw your little three-year-old this week, yeah, he was, he's been saying, you know, like, I have allergies. I can't do, <laughs> I can't true. go outside. And he does. And he, so, he does. And we all have allergies. It's allergy season. But, yeah. you know, that's interesting that perhaps that was actually like a cold coming on. I think it was, yeah. And not really allergies. Um, I wish that I could figure out how to segue from your story into my story, but there's no way to connect. Well, well that's okay. But I'm really excited that you get to go on a plane. I mean, I think that's a huge excitement yes. right there. And you're going to see your family I, after a year. Or more, a year and three three months, right? A year and three months. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, if you've listened to our podcast um, weekly, uh, which I believe there are a few of you that do, you know that the last time I was in New York, it was literally the day before everything shut down. I flew to New York Mm -hmm. on March 12th to attend my nephew's baptism, which was promptly canceled. The actual baptism in the church with just family, we did do, but the huge party and the hundreds of people that were supposed to come. Right. All of that canceled, even though it was all booked and paid for and all that stuff. And it was it was stressful for my sister and my brother-in-law, <laughs> for sure. But it ended up being a wonderful, you know, families only little event. But this weekend is basically like do over part two. And so yeah. I love that the book, the book ends, the book ends to my the baptism, uh, quarantine, my pandemic uh, life is my nephew's baptism. And I guess here's how I'll tie that into the true crime story, because it's religious, right? A baptism is religious. It is. Yes, it is. And I'm so excited to tell you this story tonight, Vaughn. Um, we ha- we decided to just have me tell a story, because Vanya has been literally dealing with like a sick child, and <laughs> it's stressful <laughs> and traveling. And I know you had you. Mike um, in town last week. Yes. And um, if you guys don't already listen to and you don't know, Vanya has another podcast with her dear, dear friend, Mike Jensen, called Mike and Vanya Can't Not, which you should check out oh, um it was so wonderful to see him yeah. so i'm gonna tell the story and this story i thought immediately i had to tell you because it involves things that i know you love right ooh, okay so ooh. obviously it's a rom crime right there's romance yeah there's like maybe like a love triangle situation and there's most definitely like a religious cult type oh twist i to love it. it i love a cult And weirdly enough, when we decided that I would just do a story, I was like, what will I do? And I've mentioned this before. I am that freak who falls asleep to shows like Forensic Files and Dateline and, you know, just like the worst things happening to people. And I'm like, oh, there's sleep. There's sweet, sweet sleep. Um, And I've discovered this new one because I've watched all the other ones. And it's called Crime Stories. And it's basically the same exact concept as forensic files but they pretend it's like from the aspect of the forensic photographer on the scene the one that documents it okay even though it's literally just like forensic files but it's called crime stories (laughs) and as i was drifting off to sleep i was listening to this particular story and i actually remember thinking as i was kind of only half listening about to kind of really sleep i was like this would be a great rom crime and so when I was tasked with finding one, I was like, I have to go find that episode. So I had to scroll through the whole season um, seven. I remembered it was season seven. Um, <laughs> yes, I am sick. I know I am sick. So our story today takes place in January of 2004 in the town of Knutby, Sweden, Ooh. which is a small remote town on the eastern coast with a population of just around 600 residents. 
And many of those 600 residents are members of the Philadelphia Church, which is a Pentecostal Christian group known for their strict interpretation of the Bible. Wait. So just like a no-joke religious group in called Sweden? the Philadelphia Church. In Sweden. Okay. In Knutby, Sweden. Okay, okay. So 32-year-old Helga Fosmo is one of the pastors of the Philadelphia Church. He is maybe kind of like the head pastor, super charismatic. Everybody kind of just like flocks to him. He seems mm. so wise and knowledgeable. He's also kind of handsome and young, mm. only 32. And he is married to 23-year-old Alexandra Fosmo. And he has three children from a previous marriage. His first wife had passed away. This couple, because I mentioned it's 600 people, right? So it's like a small town. They lived on this very quiet, secluded little street where just, down the road, Helga's BFF, Daniel, that's how they pronounced it. It's spelled Daniel, but Daniel Linda. Daniel Linda. Daniel Linda lives. So he lives on the same street as his BFF with his beautiful young wife and three kids in a nice little small town where like one sixth of the population is part of his religious cult, uh, his church. <laughs> um, okay, so we are now... Um, it's like the early morning hours, the late night of January 9th, 2004, or the early morning hours of January 10th. And Helga and Alexandra are sleeping when Helga gets up to check on his kids because he had heard one of them. So the kid kind of woke up. You know, you were just talking about it. Your yeah. kid called into bed with you. Well, yeah. this was like the reverse of that. His kid was woken up. He heard his kid. He went into his room. He crawled into bed with this kid to like soothe him and fell asleep in his son's bed. And just down the street... BFF, Daniel Linda, is woken up just after 4.30 a.m. by someone knocking on his front door. So he groggily kind of gets up and goes to answer the door. And standing there is a masked person pointing a gun directly at him. And per the police officer in a documentary episode of Crime Stories that I watched or listened to while I was sleeping about mm -hmm. this, his first thought was, this has to be a joke. And then the shooter promptly shoots him twice, once in the chest and once in the jaw uh -oh. and, run, and runs off. So Daniel manages to crawl to his cell phone and call emergency services for help after a while because it takes them a while to understand what he's trying to say and ask for. As I mentioned, oh, he was shot in God. the jaw. Um, ambulance services arrive and... Um, I have to say Daniel. I can't say Daniel anymore because I'm okay. going to laugh every time. I do it. So <laughs> ambulance arrives and Daniel, as they're putting him in the ambulance, asks them to call Pastor Helga um, Fossum, Fosmo. I wrote Fossum there and I knew I had done that a few times. It's Fosmo, which is, you know, remember his BFF. He asked yeah. them to call him because he would like him to come with him to the hospital. You know, in case he dies, he wants his pastor with him. So a member of Helga's congregation calls him. He wakes up gets the call, throws on his shoes and a jacket and runs out of the house without telling his wife or kids where he was going, gets into the ambulance and heads to the hospital with Daniel. Meanwhile, police are setting up roadblocks and checkpoints in the area because, you know, someone just walked up to this guy's house and shot him in the face and the chest. Um, so they're setting these things up in hopes of trapping and or catching the shooter in the area. So the description officers at these roadblocks were given of the suspect came from Daniel Linda which was that it was a fairly large man who was dressed from head to toe in dark clothing. So police are 
not taking this lightly. This is a small town. Shit like this does not happen. Right. So they're bringing in their special forces. They even bring in like canines to like sniff out. I was literally just going to joke and be like, and they brought in the dogs. Uh, they brought, they, they brought did. in the dogs, Vanya. Wow. And um, <laughs> yeah, so they bring in the dogs and the special forces to help look for this shooting suspect. And just down the street, Friends, and I should just mention, not just friends, but fellow congregation members, cult members, whatever you want to call them, yeah. um, they head down to Helga Fosmos, uh, so that's the pastor's um, home, to let his wife, Alexandra, know that he has gone with Daniel Linda to the hospital. Okay. The friends walk into the house. They find all the Fosmo, the three Fosmo children, asleep in their rooms. But when they enter Alexandra's and um, Helga's bedroom, they find Alexandra dead in her bed <gasps> from a gunshot wound. There is blood everywhere. Oh. The friends come running out of the house screaming for help from the police that are just a few houses down at his best friend's house, Daniel Linda's. So after police kind of figure out what, exactly why these people are screaming, they enter the home of Helga and Alexandra and they do in fact find her dead oh. in her bed from a gunshot wound. They remove the children from the house and bring them to a neighbor's. And I wrote down next to my notes, I just needed you to know that like the kids got out. They didn't actually wander into mommy's room. Yeah. They were taken to a neighbor's house. I'm sure they're not okay, you know, afterwards, but at least they didn't right. wake up in a house with, with their dad being gone at the hospital and their mom dead. Right. But it's um, their stepmom, right? Or is it their... It's their stepmom. But right, still, it's stepmom. It's, that doesn't make it better. The, yes. I'm sorry. That does not make it better. <laughs> I'm just making sure. Well, no, but I mean, they, did, they, didn't wake, they didn't wake up alone in the house with just a dead body oh, in, trauma, their, trauma. in their dad and stepmom's room. Oof, so oof. the masked gunman, it appears, hit two houses on that quiet, secluded street that night. So while speaking to detectives at the hospital where he had been staying by Daniel Linda's um, side, who seems like he's going to recover, he's going to perish from his gunshot wounds, Helga Fosmo is informed of his wife's death, where he promptly breaks down in front of police. He's devastated. So police begin searching the Fosmo home for clues. What they can glean from the little amount of clues they can find is that there is no sign of a break-in. So the, co the killer either had a key to the Fosmo residence or the door had been left unlocked. Mm. And inside the pillow beneath Alexandra's head, police find a bullet from a thirty-eight caliber gun. So that's all the evidence they find inside okay. the house. But the best evidence that they come up with is outside of both houses. Police discover a single set of footprints in the snow that lead them from the two houses. Like, so from one house to the other, the footprints go. And the footprints also go back into the woods to a set of tire track prints in the snow. So they are able to kind of track exactly what the killer did. They drove into the woods. They parked the car. Based on the path of the footprints from where the car had been parked, police are able to determine that the shooter had shot and killed Alexandra first because the footprints showed that she went to the Fosmo's home first, then walked all the way back towards Daniel Linda's home, walked the perimeter of it, like walked all the way around it before stopping at the front door and knocking on the front door where, where they shot him. Ew. So police, yeah, police make casts of the tire prints and of the footprints, right? Because they're like, that's our evidence. And one thing that surprises police is that when they're taking these casts and taking all these photographs, because remember, this is crime stories from mm -hmm. this, the perspective mm -hmm. of the crime photographers, that the footprints are incredibly small, like around a size six, like a female size six. So contrary to Daniel Linda's eyewitness testimony telling them that the shooter was a large man dressed all in black, police discovered that they're actually most likely 
looking for a woman if the footprints are to be accurate in terms of size. So while they have these tracks and now they're like, oops, maybe it's a girl, they really don't have any leads at this point. So after interviewing surviving gunshot victim, as I mentioned, he survived, Daniel, they learn that as far as he knows or anyone who knows him knows, he has no known enemies and there's no reason why anybody would want him dead. And police are really struggling to come up with a motive for why these two specific people were targeted. So the only thing that they did have in common, besides living on the same street, mm-hmm. was the Philadelphia was the Philadelphia church that they're they were cult. both members of. I mean, their church. Yeah. Yeah, their church. Um, So police wonder at this point if it is a member of the congregation who was a shooter, like there was maybe some like inner turmoil within the church and somebody within the church shot these two, or if it's somebody with a grudge or an issue with the Philadelphia church who's enacting like revenge on this, you know, church slash cult that they're like, you guys are no good. I'll buy it. So. There's one little thing, though, as police are kind of going through the information that they do have that's nagging at them. And that's the fact that Helga Fosmo, so that's Pastor Fosmo, who went with Daniel to the hospital, whose wife had been shot, that he didn't hear the gunshot go off right when his wife was shot. So, yes, we know that he wasn't sleeping right next to her. He had gone in to check on his son and had fallen asleep in his son's room. But we also know that even though he didn't hear the gunshot, he very quickly woke up to the phone call about needing to go to the hospital with Good point. Dan with Daniel Linda. And so police are like, can you explain this to us? And his explanation is that he is used to taking phone calls from his congregate members of his congregation, basically like at all hours of the day, and that the sound of his phone is one that he often wakes up to. And so that's the only explanation he can come up with. Is huh. it like, well, I usually this is what wakes me up when I set something to wake me up or when I get up to, you know, speak to a member of my congregation. Um, but I guess a gunshot doesn't wake me up. And Give police- me a break, but I'm so yeah. sorry, you know. Yeah. And police are like, wait, what? I know. Do they have silencers? Like, I think I need to. I remember asking my husband, I'm like, do people use silencers? He said that it's not really as common as people think. We see it always in the movie and it's like, tu, tu. they're not as common. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think silencers for sure exist. Yeah. Um, I don't know how easy it is to get your hands on a silencer because a silencer basically assumes that you're trying to kill somebody quietly. That's true. And um, also, I think it takes the accuracy down, something like that. Oh, so you got to be like a true sniper. Yeah. But still, even with a silencer, there's still like a, you know, there's a sound. Yeah. It's not completely. I mean, silent. I would hear a gunshot. So, I would hear a gunshot with my full um, sound machine on, which I still sleep with because once you live in New York, you always live in New York. <laughs> you need a sound machine. I'm a bee. Gunshots are common. <laughs> so police are not truly satisfied with his explanation of why a gunshot didn't wake him up, but his cell phone did. And so they decide that they're going to kind of press harder and continue to question. Pastor Helga. Eventually, after talking it over while they're like desperately trying to figure out like who would want to hurt these people, um, Pastor Helga eventually tells police that he can only think of one person who might have wanted to hurt his wife. And that person is the very young and the very super religious Sarah Svensson. And she had formerly worked as a live-in nanny for the Fosmos. Um, and according to Helga Fosmo had become kind of obsessed and infatuated with him and had even attacked his wife with a hammer while she was living with them, watching their children while she was asleep. She literally like started hitting her with a hammer. Uh, say yeah. what, what, what? I mean, maybe that yes. maybe you lead with that Helga. Maybe, maybe yeah. you lead with, Hey, this lady tried to murder my wife once with a hammer. Yeah. 
Like, surprise, actually an attempt on my wife's life was made already by someone. So rather than alerting police to this violent attack with a hammer and pressing charges, the Fosmos simply send Sarah away. They're like, you're out of the congregation. You're out of our home, out of our lives. You're basically excommunicated. And she is sent back to live, you know, with her family. So police are like, okay, all right, all right, all right. Jealousy. <laughs> That's the motive. That makes perfect sense of why this woman now, because we, we also know it's probably a woman. So now we've got a woman suspect, women footprints. So cool. There's the motive for shooting Alexandra. But why the fuck? Sorry, excuse my language. Why Why nah. Daniel Linda? Like why you walk down the street to another house and shoot someone in the jaw and the chest. And that's they, that's just really nagging at them. So police start looking into Sarah, Sarah Svensson, learning that she now lives with her father in another small Swedish town not terribly far away. And while <laughs> Sarah doesn't own a car, because remember, the killer drove a car into yep. like the woods behind the homes, they discover that her father owns two cars. He owns a Saab and a Volvo. So police decide that they're going to go inspect the cars and check out the t- the tires and see if either one of them is a possible match for the tracks that they saw in the woods. Okay. And the tires from the Volvo are a very strong match, likeness to what they found. And on top of that, after police go through their logbooks and records, they discover that Sarah Svensson had actually passed through one of those roadblocks, remember, that they had set up to catch uh... the shooter? Um, she had passed through shortly after the shootings. Um, but since police at that time were told they were looking for a large male dressed all in black, um, they simply you know, asked for her driver's license because they had to make a note of everyone who drove through and told her to be safe and, you know, drive safe and get home carefully because they were looking for a big, scary dude with a gun and not just like a young 26-year-old woman driving a Volvo. Whoa. Yeah. So two days after the shooting, Sarah Svensson is brought in on suspicion of murder and attempted murder. And while police are like, this is going to be a humdinger doozy. I hope we can get this girl to tell us anything. Surprisingly, Sarah pretty much confesses right away. (gasps) Saying that she she shot Daniel Linda and Alexandra Fosmo. She got the gun and a homemade silencer. So you called that one. She did attempt to use the silencer um, from a, you know, shady connection that she had in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, Sarah's description of how the shooting took place um, kind of li- lines up perfectly with the evidence police had found. She even draws them a detailed map of where she disposed of key evidence, like the gun, the clothing and shoes that she threw away to get rid of the evidence. And so police are able to take this map. They find the discarded clothes. They find the shoes, which are a perfect match to the tracks in the snow. And while she told them that she'd thrown the gun in a river, they are looking for it, but they're not able to recover the gun. But the shoes they found are a perfect match. But Sarah is unable or unwilling to give police any reason why she has done this. The only thing she insists over and over again is that she repeatedly says this to police without prompting or anything, that she acted alone. Nobody else had anything to do with this. It was just her. It was just me. No one else is involved. And police are like, oh, you keep saying that. We're not even asking you that question. So police are immediately like, someone else is involved. Um, police continue to press Sarah for a motive. And in a bizarre kind of turn of events, Sarah tells police that in shooting Alexandra Fosmo and Daniel Linda, she was following orders from God. 
Mm-mm. She had heard heard the voice of God in her head telling her to do things before, and God told her to do this. And even weirder, this time it wasn't just a voice in her head. God text messaged her. <laughs> to let her know that she needed to kill these two individuals. And the police are like, um, what? Yeah. Come and again. while she had, de- and while she had deleted all of the texts about the murder, like any incriminating text she had deleted and she admitted that, but she has, I'll get to it. Sorry. So the text messages, they become the investigators new main focus as does some new interesting information that they learn about pastor Helga Fosmo's past. Uh-oh. See you guys. Or Vanya. See, Vanya, it turns out that Alexandra isn't the only wife of Pastor Helga's to die tragically. Five years earlier, in the exact same home that Alexandra had been shot in, his wife, Helene, had been found by Helga and a neighbor. So a neighbor, or let's be honest, a member of the congregation Mm -hmm. had an appointment to come to their home to um, meet with Pastor Helga. The neighbor arrived and let themselves in, was like calling out people's names, and weirdly found Helga still sleeping in his bed and was like, hey, pastor, wake up. We have an appointment. And then the two men are like, is that water you hear coming from the bathroom? I feel like I hear water. The door is locked. They start, you know, calling out her name. There's no answer. The neighbor and Helga break down the bathroom door and they find Helene dead in her bathtub. The story was, yeah, the story was that she had fallen in the shower and hit her head on the faucet. In fact, the actual like bruise on her head, it was like concluded by professionals that it was caused by the faucet. So she had fallen, hit her head and basically drowned. And this death is ruled accidental. But now police are like, hmm, that's a weird coincidence that you've had two wives kind of mysteriously and tragically die. So they're thinking we should maybe re- like look back into that case. Yeah. And um what they discover is fucked up, you guys. So what? in in Helene's autopsy, it is stated very clearly that at the time of her death there was a toxic and fatal amount of sleeping pills in her bloodstream. However, that information somehow was never communicated between the forensic doctors and the police and never ended up in the police report. So just ruled an accidental death. No one ever looked into it. No one apparently was talking. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. So now Helga is pretty much like a key, like a key person of interest in the murder of both of his wives. So, uh oh. On top of being like, um, this dude's shady. They're also still trying to look into these so-called text messages from God that Sarah Svensson has said that she received. I mean, I'm obsessed phone, with this right here. I know, right? On her phone, police discover over 400 messages and 18 messages that were sent on the morning of the shootings. And while all of the messages that necessarily like lay out the deets of how to kill these two are gone, it's clear that someone has in fact been texting Sarah and saying they're God. Um, So while police are struggling to convince Sarah that these messages are not from God, they're from a person. And can you please try to think about who that could be? Finally, they get a breakthrough. You guys, police are able to figure out, you know, like through, technology the, <coughs> the phone number 
of the cell phone sending the messages. It's a prepaid burner phone, but they've got the number. And once you have the number, God's got a burner. Track you can you can track that bitch, right? Yes, because cell phones ping ping off a of towers yes, and all do. this stuff. So, um, police discover that the pre the prepaid cell phone's location, where it pings, where it goes, where it sits, where it moves, is basically the exact same movement and stillness as Pastor Helga's phone. Like yeah. they're sitting next to each other in his pocket. What a see you so I, I mean. So when Ugh. shown this evidence that Helga is clearly responsible for the texts that Sarah Svensson seem, um, like when she is shown this proof, right? Like, hey, this is who sent these. She seems like legitimately, genuinely shocked. Like this woman believed these text messages were from God. What? Like 100% believed it. So feeling betrayed now, she's like, I mean, oh, I okay, feel betrayed, some... but okay. I know, right? She's <laughs> like, I, I have some information, I guess I can give you about Pastor Helga Fusmo. Um, and she details, uh, she gives them details of her relationship with him, admitting that they had had an ongoing love affair while she lived in his home as a nanny. And that at one time he had told her that one day God might decide that it was time for Alexandra to die and be called back to heaven. And that God may even call upon Sarah to act as God's instrument. Then over the span of a year, he asked her three separate times, would you kill someone if God asked you to? The first two times she said no. The last time she was like, I would think about it. So Real quick, I wrote in my notes, let's pause for a second and just talk about like cult leaders and brainwashing uh, yeah. and the power of a charismatic person in a position where you've got like a young impressionable girl who's truly, truly faithful, who yeah. has kind of somehow transferred this love of like God and Christianity to this this person who is meant to guide her through that, not manipulate her through it. But she is convinced to do kind of whatever he says, even yeah. though she is also convinced that the person talking to her is God, which is just so effed up. If it was yeah. not a cult, that's not how you treat God. No. Um, my first, my, I'm just going to break this down in my own head here. This is where I'm at. Um, I think of Swedish people as very smart and like really like evolved and like, you know, cause I mean, you know, I've actually been only to Stockholm, but like, I'm like everyone I've met, I feel like, oh, their healthcare system is so much better. Their education system is so much better. Their Wi-Fi is pretty fucking damn good. And yeah, you know, though, that burner cell phone was pinging off every tower cause there was so yeah. much Wi-Fi. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But also like, uh, I, I don't know you know, maybe not the way they dealt with the pandemic. Maybe that wasn't the best way. Cause you remember they just like, yeah, they're like, let's they're all like, get it. Herd immunity. We'll just Didn't all work. get it. And so, some of us will live. Yeah. When I, when I think about that, maybe it's more of like, uh, ha has like roots in Protestant backwater, backwater, back. Nope. Back, back. Woods. Thank you. Um, maybe there's some of that too. And you know, we're all humans. We're all susceptible to, uh, to, to people lying to us and telling us things and especially when you want it to be true. But the, I'm just like, the, so that was where my first thought was, was like, they should be smarter 
Those people right. should be smarter. But also remember, she's very she's very young. She's very mm-hmm. devout. And she had fallen madly in love oh, with basically he, like the head of her cult. And like, he fully groomed it's a, her. It's a pentic- yeah, he groomed her. He like, set her up. He spent a year testing her answer yeah. to would you kill someone if God asked you to. Yeah. But I just think it's so fascinating because this this particular town cannot be as described as like a remote village with a yeah. with a population of six hundred sure. people. So no yeah. matter how, you know, maybe progressive and intelligent when you visited, right. well, it, Stockholm's like the know, busiest. Yeah, I mean, it's like the right. It's like I guess in these little small towns where like everyone's a member of the same church. Yeah, and everyone's listening to the same you know man be like the leader of their you know every belief it's, yeah it, i guess it's a little easier to understand but also just like holy mother yeah. like the grooming and the charisma well, and just like the yeah. audacity of like cult leaders well because normally like i not normally but in the cult the cults that i've like sort of just you know research and stuff like that they're usually trying to have sex with as many people as they can and usually they can um find passages in the bible to um you know back them up to say why that's cool yeah. but um, well, and but we know he is, was having sex with her. Yeah, he was. He was having sex with but, her. But but in this case, it seems like this guy was just a serial killer who who was trying to keep his habit up. Right, like um, a black widower. Because why did he need something. to get rid of her? Like, why did he need to get rid of that, this 23-year-old wife? I know, right? Like, what's and the point of killing her? Like, what's what's the story of trying to kill his BFF? Did he, did, right, maybe we, were they... We're going to get to that. Oh, we're girl, go, you it. go, okay. This this story, the twists aren't even done yet, So, police at this point are now certain <laughs> that Helga was the one sending Sarah the messages to kill his wife. But what they cannot figure out is why the hell Daniel Linda had also been targeted. Why, Daniel, why Sarah's, porque, yeah. For Daniel, but like, she specifically went... From killing Alexandra directly over to the front door of Daniel to shoot him and kill him. She un- she was not successful. So police at this point are like, okay, we have enough evidence. We know he's involved. We gonna wiretap this bitch. Okay. So they wiretap Pastor Helga's phone and they make a crucial discovery. So it turns out, you guys, that on top of screwing his nanny, um, Pastor Helga's also sleeping with Daniel Linda's wife. Uh-oh. His best friend's wife and him, yeah, they're they're screwing. They're yeah. having a full blown love affair. So when you talked about just wanting to sleep with people as a cult leader, yeah, there are more people being slept with. Ah, so what we have here, Vaughn, is kind of like a double love triangle situation. Yeah, he's got the love. Tri- well, his wife is at the center of it, right? Because he, her, she's his wife, and right. then we've got the love triangle with the nanny and the love triangle with the best friend's wife. And basically, this sociopathic cult leader is like, you know what I can do? I'm going to convince my crazy, super devoted um, lover to kill both my wife and my other lover's husband. And my hands will be clean. Either Uh. she gets caught or she doesn't. But I can still go on and have um, my affair with her name is Annette, Daniel's um, wife. Mm -mm. And now me and Annette can be together. So on January 28th, which is just about, you know, 18, 19 days after the shootings, um, Helga Fosmo and Daniel Linda's wife, Annette, are both brought in together on suspicion of murder. And the reason they do this, so that this is just questioning, right? Okay. They bring them in because they're hoping that by, they're hoping, they're hoping <laughs> that by questioning them separately, 
It will lead immediately to a phone call, because remember, pastors wiretapped between the two of them about their interrogation. They don't glean like too much other than like, yeah, it was hard. What'd you say? I mean, I just told them the truth. Yeah, me too. But we're just going to stick together through this all. So they bring the pastor back in. They show him proof of the cell phone being his. They mm. show him, you know, they're like, we know you're sleeping with Daniel and his wife and that you slept with the nanny. And we think maybe you murdered your first wife. And so he's like, okay, okay. So you got some like compelling stuff against me. So I'll just admit that that um, burner phone does belong to me. And um, I did text Sarah from it, but I never, ever sent her messages instructing her to kill my wife or Daniel Linda. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the text messages that would have laid out, like, I want you to do this. Uh This is how you're going to do it. They had all been deleted from the phone. Right. So police are like, yeah, but we know it was you, man. And guess what? Just because when you delete a text from your phone and you can't see it anymore, we have like special forensic software and things we know about phones that you don't, where we can recover deleted messages from the SIM card. Uh, no so, doy. Right? The SIM card weirdly only stores this on this particular burner phone, only stored 20 texts. <gasps> and per what they could glean from like just the initial look, it looked like only seven spots like only seven messages had been deleted so they recover those messages and they're like that's not really all that helpful so this is when they use their special forensic software okay and it turns out that like super super embedded and deleted text messages there are 13 of them and each one of them are the texts that detail how she is to kill alexandra and daniel how she is to purchase an illegal gun from someone in stockholm how she should get a silencer where she should park what she should do um, and so now at this point, they have proof 100% that uh, Helga Fosmo convinced yeah, he his lover, that. Sarah Svensson, that God wanted her to kill his wife <sighs> and his best friend. So Annette Linda, Daniel's, I guess I'm assuming at this point, estranged wife, is released <laughs> because after investigation, police feel very confident that she actually was completely unaware of his plan of what he was doing. She wanted to be with him, but she did right. not know that that was something he was going to try to do was have um, Daniel killed. Um, and now Sarah Svensson and Helga Fosmo head to trial. Sarah's going to be charged with murder and attempted murder. And um, Helga's going to be charged with incitement to murder and incitement of attempted murder, along with he's going to be charged with the murder of his first wife, Helene. Good. So after the trial, which is mostly like Sarah testifying to everything that happened from the moment she moved to Knutby and met the pastor and lived in his home Ick. to how he brainwashed her, made her fall in love with him, you know, mm-hmm. slept with her, convinced her that God was texting her. He is found guilty, you guys, of inciting the murder of his wife, Alexandra, and the attempted murder of uh, Daniel Linda. But unfortunately, <laughs> due to insufficient evidence, he is found not guilty of the murder of his first wife, Helene. But I'm pretty sure he did it y'all uh yeah like it just feels really convenient that he set up an appointment with someone and then was still sleeping in bed when the guy arrived and the guy could testify like oh he was still asleep when i got there and it's like how and um he is sentenced to life in prison where he still resides to this day now sarah svenson she's also found guilty of murder and of attempted murder but she is deemed by the court to be mentally ill. I believe and that. She is sent, and she is sent to a psychiatric facility where the judge from the case is the single lone person who can decide 
when she can be released from psychiatric care. Oh. And that's literally where the the crime show I fell asleep to ended. So I was like, well, let me Google what happened to Sarah Svensson. So it turns out that I was listening to a 45-minute episode of Crime Stories, which is like from the 90s. I'm pretty sure it's made in Canada. Um, (laughs) And that's where I got all of my information. But it turns out, you guys, that a brand new um, HBO documentary series called Pray, Obey, and Kill is literally like a several part documentary about this story. So if you are interested in more details, just more goodness from Knutby, like apparently HBO, I had no idea of on. I never watched that one. I'm going to now. Is it out? It's Um, out? Yeah, it's on HBO right now. It's called Pray, Obey, Kill. And it is a multi-part documentary series about this story. But again, I'm just going to say I heard about it on Crime Stories. Free on Prime. Um, But Sarah Spenson, it turns out, y'all, was released in 2011 with no restrictions. She is considered fully rehabilitated. And the court deemed that she was highly unlikely to ever commit another crime. So she is free and out and hopefully interviewed all up and down this HBO documentary yeah. that we now Oh, all I can't need to watch. wait. I I feel like I weirdly trust that. I don't know. Like, you know, I feel like she was young and she was you know, but she did murder people. Or mur- she murdered yeah, one mean, person, but well, and tried to murder another. But I think what they kind of discovered and I feel like this is why I want to watch the HBO documentary. Yes. I just need everyone to know I didn't know when I was writing this whole story out and doing all my research that there was an HBO documentary until I Googled Sarah Svensson to see if she had ever gotten out of a a psychiatric ward. And that's where I discovered that there's a full like multi-part docuseries on HBO that just came out not that long ago, like within the last two months. Oh, fun. About this very story. This is Um, right up my alley. Yeah, it's cults, it's murder, it's love triangles galore. Um, But I think, you know, they kind of figured that she had very clearly been brainwashed by Helga, um, you know, Fosmo. And so she's unlikely now that she's aware that, you know, fucked up people out there might try to get you to think they're God and murder in their name. Yeah. Um, You know, she's, she's, she's a little bit, I think uh, more in control of her faculties and uh, Mm. everything. But that's the crazy story I found that involved love triangles and cults and um, Swedes. All things you love. It is all (laughs) things I love, Avern. You know. Oh, my God. I I I seriously was just about to say that this is like the best night ever. (laughs) After the horrible (laughs) morning I've had. And this is like the most. This is just delicious for me. So thank you. Well, I'm so glad. I really did think I thought. I mean, I thought of rom crime as I drifted off to sleep listening to the story. But I really did immediately think. Vanya will love this one. Oh, and I'm so excited I that I discovered in the process Thank that there's you. a new docuseries yes. we can watch. Okay, wait, what's it called? D- again, sorry for me. It's called um, Pray, yes. Obey, <gasps> oh. Kill. Oopsies. Okay, I love it. Pray, Obey, Kill. Check it out, everyone. I love it. I will. Um, by the way, um, sneak peek, I'm reading the new Oprah book um, called What Happened Ooh. to You, and it's about trauma. I'm not ready to talk about it because I'm still in it, but guys... I feel like there's such good information about what, I don't know, because we do so many things about people who go through trauma. We or we talk about yeah. so many, it's just, it's some good stuff. It's all about the brain. Yeah. Mommy likes the brain. I'm like, do I quit my job and go study the brain and behavior? Because that is kind of what I love. 
This is what I've discovered, let's, Av, from doing our yeah, podcast. Let's join the BAU. I want to. I think we should both be members of the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit. Okay, unit. Should we do that? I said union. I mean, we'd have to get accepted into the the FBI. Okay. Well, I feel like they doable, would. Yeah. I mean, let's we, look into it. We've got. I mean, nobody. If not, pretend we'll you didn't hear this. You know what we should do, Vaughn? Because yeah. I don't know if we can't. I don't know if we have like the energy or the cash flow yeah. to like do the kind of schooling you need to be qualified to okay. join the FBI. Okay. But we could totally straight up start our own private investigations. Yep. Like we said. Mm-hmm. But, but kind of market ourselves <gasps> oh. as like the behavioral analysis unit of, yes. investi- of yes. private investigators. Oh, I like that. That's what I think we should do with I, I I actually am not even being like funny. No, neither am I. I really My whole life. That would be amazing. Guess what, life, guys? Like, I should be that. We're finding our passion here on Rom Crime and we want yeah. you to find your passion too. Keep listening. <laughs> and oh, one day I we'll spout out something crazy and you'll uh, be like, that's what I want to do. Exactly. We love you so much. Thank, Thank you guys so much. We will talk to you in uh, two weeks. Yeah, we'll see you when Unless back you are a Patreon member, we will be talking to you shortly. Um, you know, we talk to you all the time, hopefully. So, yeah, we love you. Thanks, thanks Thank for you. joining us. Bye. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye. criminals we just want to take a moment and say thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of rum crime if you would like please uh, follow us on instagram at rum crime twitter and facebook you can also dm us with any questions or ideas we love to chat yalla bye bye rum crime